This takes the pressure off of giving gifts. I would like a camel, by the way. <laughs> but I recently sent my son in California a birthday present, and I said, oh, by the way, we sent two pigs to a needy family in India in your name. And I don't know how he grabbed that, but hey, we did it. There's some pigs out there. <laughs> and uh, it's a good, good thing. It's, it's like Steve was saying, you get to give a good gift when you give uh, people some animals that give them uh, food, give them uh, a chance to maybe make a little money even. So consider that this Christmas time. Genesis chapter 40. Joseph has been thrown into prison. He's been trapped by the lies of Potiphar's wife, who is his master. Uh, and Potiphar puts Joseph in prison, the same prison that Potiphar himself happens to be in charge of. And Potiphar takes Joseph, who he trusts completely, and he places him over all the prisoners there in uh, the facility. Potiphar has readily seen the godly character of Joseph. And as we study Joseph, I mean, there's few people in Scripture that are more honorable than Joseph. I mean, Joseph was a great godly man. And Potiphar knows Joseph. He trusts Joseph. He can see that God is with Joseph. And what a good thing that is. Are we known by our friends that God is with us? I hope so. And then we look at this morning's scripture reading, and it basically was telling us that God will not share his glory with a man. Joseph has learned this. He is in a process of learning this, that God will not share his glory with man. And Joseph's life is a testimony of giving glory to God. When anybody is lifted up with pride, there, there comes an automatic response, and that automatic response is, we take credit for what God is doing in our lives. It's one of the ways you know you're being lifted up in pride, when you begin to take credit for what God is doing. We get a graphic illustration of this every Saturday and Sunday. Uh, at this time of year, many football athletes will speak of being gifted by God for their skills to run fast, to catch a ball, to throw a ball, so forth. And they're quick. Many of them are quick to talk about being gifted of God. But then you see them score a touchdown. And they make some good play. And then we're forced to watch their obnoxious celebration 
where they totally glorify who? Themselves. Some even pretending to be Superman. You know, and you just go, yeah, what happened to giving God credit for your abilities, you know? But Joseph, his life demonstrates how God is with him, and so should yours and so should mine. God has a plan and a purpose for Joseph's life, and being in prison is part of God's plan for Joseph. Godly character is being built into Joseph, Joseph, and it's in this crucible of difficult trials that God is shaping and forming Joseph into that man he wants him to be. And in chapter 40, we begin to see God's plan starting to unfold in his life. So let's look at Genesis chapter 40, and we'll read through it. And it came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offered their lord, the king of Egypt. Offended, not offered, offended the lord, their king. And the pharaoh was angry with the two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them. So they were in custody for a while. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream. Both of them, each man dream in one night, and each man's dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them, and he saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of the Lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, We each have had a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. Then the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, Behold, in my dream a vine was before me, and the vine uh, there were three branches, and it was as though it budded. Its blossoms shot forth, and the clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Then the Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Now within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your place, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner when you were his butler. But remember me when it is well with you, and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh, and get me out of this house. Joseph wanted out. <laughs> we should never think that he was happy and content there. For indeed I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews, and also I have done nothing here that they should put me in this dungeon. And when the chief baker saw the interpretation was good, he said to Joseph, I also was in my dream, and there was three white baskets on my head. In the uppermost basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, and the birds ate them out of the baskets on my head. So Joseph answered and said, 
This is the interpretation of it. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh from you. Now it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. Then he restored the chief butler to his butlership again, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Two dreams, same night, two of the king's officers. The butler and the baker, they have obviously offended the king. They have been thrown into the same prison that Joseph happens to be in. We see God controlling who meets who, controlling their environment, even though we read about Joseph not wanting to be there. They are probably in prison for being suspected of trying to poison the Pharaoh. They're both in charge of the Pharaoh's food. The butler and the baker, they have angered the Pharaoh, and it's never a good thing to cause the king's anger to be against you. These men, but they're in custody. They're prisoners, what we would call prisoners of status. And Joseph serves them. Our Lord gives these two men a dream on the same night. And their dreams are similar in that in three days things will happen. These dreams cause concern and they cause sadness for the butler and the baker. <clears throat> Joseph he has true concern for them. He has true compassion for them. And he asks them, why are you so sad this day? Wow. <laughs> Joseph is concerned about the feelings of two other prisoners. Joseph could have had an attitude of, you fellows aren't the only one that have been mistreated. Welcome to prison. <laughs> You fellows are in prison because you made the king angry. I have done nothing wrong. And he would have been right in saying that. But Joseph has compassion towards these two officers of Pharaoh. And it's a graphic illustration of the godly character that God is developing in Joseph. He's concerned for others, even though he is there in prison himself. Would it not have been very easy for Joseph to become bitter? I think I probably would have. Yeah. He's been treated unfairly. He is in prison for being done wrong. I think by now, Joseph, he's became aware, he fully understands he is right where God wants him. Like it or don't like it. And it's vital. It's critical for Joseph to go through the trials that are set before him because God is building into Joseph 
that character, that foundation that he will need when he's in charge, when he's in charge of Egypt. Joseph will be the deliverer. He will be the one who provides for his family. He will be the one that provides for all of Egypt and the surrounding areas by storing up the grain and so forth. God knows what he's doing, and God is building faith and trust into Joseph's life. And he has to put him through it to build that faith and trust. We want to have faith and trust without going through the trials. But Joseph, I think he's come to realize he needs to go through whatever God is trying to teach him. Do we allow God to teach us through our trials? Now, we all go through them. I don't care who you are. You go through them. And it's taken many years of hardship in Joseph's life for him to mature into this man of God, and he isn't done yet. There's still two more years that he will be in prison. When we look at Joseph and we see his patience and we see his faith and we see his good character, uh, I think we're forced to ask the question, where was I a year ago? Where was I five years ago? Where was I ten years ago? Has there been spiritual growth in my life in the last few years? Hopefully, we are growing and maturing as believers. You know, there's a lot of scripture that is written to talk about us growing and being mature in the Lord. And God has a plan for each of us. And God has a plan that we should bear fruit and bear fruit abundantly. Joseph is kind he shows compassion to his fellow prisoners, even though he has suffered wrongly. And he still has that compassion for those around him, the butler and the baker. Oftentimes, I will jokingly say, I love being a pastor. It's dealing with you people that drive me crazy. And that's, that's so true, you know. We deal with one another. We, we're like iron sharpening iron. And, and that's a good thing. And, but we get to show love towards one another. And my, my task is simple, in my opinion. I am to teach God's word. And I'm going to help any of you that will allow me to be that man, woman, and child of God that he's called you to be. Just help you any way I can to be that person of faith. And one of my great concerns, one of, and I'm sure it's your concerns too, is for us to recognize that our flesh wars against our souls. Our spiritual well-being, our flesh is not in agreement with. We 
often make compromises with the flesh that should never be made. God has given us his Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to be our helper, to be our teacher. But selfish thinking nullifies the work of God's Spirit in our life. Uh, It can stop us right in our tracks. God is taking us somewhere and we compromise and we start thinking rationally. We do a pros and cons list on a piece of paper, not being led of the Lord, but using our own fleshly reasoning for making a decision. And we stymie what the Lord is wanting to do in our lives by the thinking of the flesh. Our flesh, and when we cater to our flesh, it can be like the blob that ate Tokyo. You know what I mean? It can just absolutely consume us. The fleshly mind, our reasoning powers, in and of ourselves, war against a surrendered life to Christ. You can come up with many, many reasons why you should not surrender to Christ. And that's all it is. That's a war against the Lord and what his spirit is wanting to do in our lives. This war with our flesh against our spiritual man is a war that we fight every waking moment of our lives. Our flesh, it has an insatiable appetite. And once you begin to cave into, surrender to, feed those desires of the flesh, you can be sure of this, you're of no use to God whatsoever. Now, we have an enemy And the attacks of Satan and his host, they are real. Have a bit as real as the chair you're sitting on. However, our flesh, we have to deal with it 24-7. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness 40 days, Satan departed from him for a time. Satan comes against you and I for a time and then he will depart but our war against the flesh is constant Joseph he is like you and I he wars against the flesh he wants out of that prison that he's in but Joseph he is familiar with dreams and this butler and the baker they have dreams same night And Joseph says, hey, this is a God thing. And Joseph, he had his dreams of his brothers and his family bowing down to him. And now Joseph hears the dreams of the butler and the breaker. And he also hears their lament. What is their lament? We have no one to interpret our dreams. In the Egyptian culture, in that society... A person who interpreted a dream was considered to have special abilities. That person was considered a sage, uh, a wise and powerful person. And Joseph, in verse 8, he declares to the butler and a baker, 
interpretation of dreams, he needs setting a record straight here, belong to God. Not me, not someone else. Interpretation of dreams belongs to God. Particularly when God gives that dream. Dreams are one of the ways that God speaks to man. Prophetic dreams, hey, they usually spike all of our interest. In the, uh, we had Daniel in his uh, uh, kingdom with Nebuchadnezzar there. God gave Daniel dreams and Nebuchadnezzar dreams. And God still uses dreams to this day to speak to men and women. He still uses dreams. Um, the dreams that are given to the butler and baker, they're extremely important to Joseph. Because they concern Joseph and his family and their future and Egypt, far as that goes. Therefore, a correct interpretation of the dreams, it's critical. Even today, in many parts of the world, people that have never been witnessed to about Jesus are having dreams, God-given dreams about Jesus. And they're becoming Christians because of a dream that God has given. Now, I have to confess, most of my dreams are messed up. <laughs> that doesn't make me a bad person, but they're messed up. <laughs> have you ever been in that twilight zone where you awaken from a dream and it's a good dream and you want to go back to it and you try to fall asleep and go back and pick up that dream no avail it doesn't work <laughs> i've tried to do that i never get there <laughs> uh but we we can also have what we call nightmares nothing more than a very frightening dream and some of these nightmares can be so scary so severe that people die in their sleep. So dreams can be very, very real. However, the butler and the baker, they have these God-sent dreams, and they have them on the same night. And they have them right there in prison where Joseph is watching over them. The butler, his dream's a good one. And in three days, the Pharaoh will restore him to his former position, and he will once again serve the king by giving him his cup. This good dream encourages the baker to tell his dream. But bad news, Mr. Baker. In three days, the king's going to lift your head off your shoulders, and he's going to hang you on a tree, and the birds of the air will eat your flesh. The trouble with that bad interpretation, you got to see this, is it's dangerous. It's very dangerous. If Joseph misinterprets this dream, this baker is going to come back and try to take revenge upon him and probably try to kill him. Joseph has made a mortal enemy of the king's baker. And he is a man of influence. And he will probably 
retaliate against Joseph if he lives another three days. Many times people are angered when someone speaks an unpopular prophetic truth into their lives. The messenger many times is blamed for the message. And uh, a short while ago I was reading about a pastor that was doing a funeral. I believe it was down in a southern part of Alabama. And he was doing the funeral of a very wicked and sinful man. And the pastor began to make comments that because of the results of this man's way of life and his sinful nature, that he was probably in a place of torment now, <laughs> in the fires of hell. This is not the wisest thing in the world to say to friends and family of that man that are gathered there. Upon hearing the pastor's words, the friends and family, they storm to the front of the chapel and they proceed to beat up the pastor. The messenger being blamed <laughs> for the message. Joseph has made a lifelong enemy of the baker, but it's only a three-day enemy. <laughs> the butler, in verse 14, Joseph has a request of him. He says, remember me when it is well with you, and please show kindness to me by mentioning my plight to the Pharaoh that I may get out of this dungeon. Joseph did not like where he was. He wants out of there. And Joseph is suffering in prison, in the dungeon, and his desire is to be free. He's just every bit like you and I. He's like anyone else would be that is in prison. But here's the thing that Joseph cannot see, and we get to see it because we know the story. God has set in motion the way, a method, for Joseph not only to get out of that dungeon, not only to be free, but for Joseph to be a man of power, respected, and to be the deliverer of his family, and for that matter, all of the Egyptian area there. But he has to stay another two years in prison before this comes about. Because the butler, he is promoted. Joseph has given the correct interpretation, and he's back at his old position, but he quickly forgets all about Joseph. And we don't read anything about Joseph sulking, getting bitter. In fact, Joseph refuses to become embittered. And I think that's the whole lesson for why Joseph is there. He's learning that patience. He's learning that God is in control and God is going to take him through these things. No matter what he thinks, no matter what he desires, God will do this. Joseph shows tremendous faith and trust in God simply by not becoming bitter. Are you letting things 
make you bitter? Have you been mistreated? Well, you're not human if you haven't. Newsflash. If you haven't been done wrong, then you haven't lived life. <laughs> it's that simple. And Joseph, he's being done wrong time and time and time again. He does right, and he suffers for it. Joseph is showing tremendous faith and trust in God simply by not becoming bitter. He understands and is in spite of the bad circumstances, in spite of the evil treatment, being hated for doing good, Joseph knows he has learned that God is in control. And he doesn't see it yet, but he will see that God is for him. Whining and complaining by Christians should never find a place in our lives. Our murmuring, our complaining is like saying to God, you don't love me. And you're really not in control. And nothing could be further from the truth. So is God taking you through a hard time? Your ducks won't get in line. <laughs> I heard a good one on that. The guy said, my butterflies won't fly in formation. <laughs> and I, I understand. We try to get everything lined up in our lives, at least I do. And they don't always seem to want to line up. People don't react the way we want to. Our children don't behave like we think they should. And we become concerned. Let me assure you, Joseph will learn very soon here, God is for him and God is in control. And if we don't get anything else out of Joseph's life, we should get that. God is for us and that he is in control. And whatever you're going through, it's just temporary. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father God, we, we thank you for loving us enough to mature us. And many times that maturing process involves our flesh being crucified. You told us to take up our cross and follow you. And, Lord, we need to do that. Life will not always be good for his circumstance. Life will not always be happy-go-lucky. Life will not always be what we think it should be. But, Lord, you've given us yourself. You've told us you will never leave us nor forsake us. May our faith, may our trust be in you because you told us that you love us that you're working out all things for our good. So cause us to be men and women of faith and accept what you're doing in our life, knowing that you love us. We pray and ask for this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.